This is a Vision Australia radio podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to Talking Tech, this edition available from January the 9th, 2024. I'm Stephen Jolly, great to have you with us, listening maybe through Vision Australia Radio, Associated Stations of RPH Australia, or the Community Radio Network. There's also the podcast. To catch that, all you need to do is search for the two words, Talking Tech, and Dan can all come usually on a Tuesday afternoon, just after it's been produced. Another option is to ask your Siri device or smart speaker to play Vision Australia Radio Talking Tech Podcast. Vision Australia Radio Talking Tech Podcast. With me, someone who can explain all this tech stuff really well, Vision Australia's National Advisor on Access Technology, David Woodbridge. David, we've passed looking back at uh, last year and looking forward to this year and down into the nitty-gritty of developments this year. And let's start with uh, World Braille Day last Thursday, January the 4th, which is the anniversary of the birth of Louis Braille, the man who started it all. It certainly is, and it's always amazing that I think such an invention has made a huge difference in lots and lots of people's lives over the years. Even though I, I guess I'm primarily a screen reader user uh, across all my stuff, I use manual Braille in particular quite a lot. So I still have a Perkins Braille, a Braille labeler. I've got a little Braille device in front of me. And I thought it was really fantastic that Microsoft, Google um, celebrated braille with all the international braille day i was a little bit disappointed that apple didn't so i thought mm, that's uh, something to keep an eye on uh, and of course vision australia celebrated in style by posting an email about braille last week as well it's one of those things that we just take for granted and i really do think it's nice to celebrate these things like i just said that we do take for granted but still is really very relevant today particularly for literacy braille and this particular World Braille Day was a bit special for me and my wife Vicky because fresh in our memory is our visit to the Louis Braille Museum where we yeah. happened to be for a very special couple of hours in May last year. Very nice. Now, Braille is uh, as relevant today and changing as much today as ever. MuseScore, tell us about that app. So MuseScore is a composing music score application, so it's open source. And they announced that in version 4.1, there will be a Braille view. And what the Braille view will allow people to do is to not only visually see the Braille representation of the print music score on the screen, but you'll also be able to read it in Braille as well which means you've got direct access to, quote, music braille in live while you're doing your music score. And then later on this year, I believe with version 4.2, they'll be introducing braille keyboard input. So they'll be using your SDF JKL keys as the braille input keys. The other thing about this too is it allows teachers who are blind or sighted or students who are blind or sighted to collaborate on producing music scores. And if you're learning Braille music, you can get the screen reader to say, you know, this is a 4-4 time signature and so on. So this is, has lots of implications. And if you don't know who the developer of MuseScore is, it's the same folks that produce Audacity. Great news for all our brother and sister musicians who use Braille. 
Tell us about the WebAIM Screen Reader Survey. It happens every year. Indeed, and this is the the 10th one. So this is a survey that not only covers screen readers across all platforms, such as, you know, Windows, Apple, Linux, and so on, but it also covers other things like what browsers do you use, uh, whether you use more mobile than desktop um, systems and so on. So it's it's quite a wide-ranging survey. It's open till the 31st of Jan 2024. So what I would advise people to do is please actually add your comments to it because this is a really great way of finding out what's really going on in the world and what people actually use. So it's a worldwide survey, is it? Yes, it is. Yep. Closing at the end of January. Now, what's all this nonsense with the Apple Watch Series 9 and the Ultra 2? (laughs) Right, so in a nutshell, a medical company has taken Apple to court about them using a bit of hardware technology that's in the Apple Watch Ultra 2 and the Series 9 watch. And what that company is saying basically is we want royalties for our hardware patent. Apple saying no, because if we make a software change, it'll be different. The other company is saying no, it won't. So they did a suspension of those two Apple Watches on December 26th. Apple very quickly then appealed that and it got taken up. So the appeal got disappealed, whatever the word is for that, withdrawn. So the Apple Watch Ultra 2 and the Apple Watch Series 9 is now on sale again, but it's pending the appeal. So at the end of the day, really all Apple has to do is to start paying a couple of cents per unit to the company that says they owe us royalties on our patent hardware and they're pretty convinced that changing the software is not going to make any difference to the patent uh, dispute. One of many legal disputes that seem to go on in the tech world, isn't it? Indeed, yep. The uh, tech expos and expos and things already underway this week. Indeed. So let us not forget the famous Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. This is where manufacturers of all sorts demonstrate either concept, custom, previews, whatever you want to call it, technology that they're working on for sale in retail this year. So some of this stuff may not even come to pass. And this year, of course, funnily enough, there's a lot of stuff about AI, artificial intelligence. So we can be looking at indoor car info slash information systems. We'll be looking at um, robots and then, of course, all the other sort of general stuff about uh, laptops, desktops, monitors, uh, smartphones, smart devices, you name it, it'll be there. And there's been also some talk about some different accessibility stuff that will also be there. So what I thought we would do is wait till CES throws everything against the wall. We'll pick out some of the major things and we'll cover more about it um, next week when we've got more of an idea what's been covered. Are people able to tune into any sessions online? You can. Uh, The link in the show notes takes you to one of the the tech blog websites and they'll be adding stuff so you can go and watch specific manufacturers. So, you know, Honda might have one, um, Samsung will have one and so on. So you can tune in when those ones are on. But there's not like a sort of a, a main stage that's continually broadcast. Each particular manufacturer or developer, uh, if they're doing a keynote or a presentation online um, just has different times of the day and most of the course being in Las Vegas (laughs) it's probably going to be somewhere in the morning our time. Samsung they have an event coming up on the 18th of January? 
Yep, so of course that's our time, uh, and it's the unpacked event for 2024, their first one. What we're looking at is most likely a new Galaxy phone. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a new Galaxy watch, and a probably most likely a new Galaxy set of buds as well, earbuds. Uh, and who knows, they might even also talk about putting AI more into the Samsung operating system for phones. So poor old Bixby might be living very dangerously on the end of its lifespan. Now, Copilot, which is the AI tool from Microsoft, hmm. going to more platforms? I got very excited when I saw this because now the Copilot itself, the app, is not only available on the iPhone, but it's also available on Android. And of course, this is at the you know the open source back end or front end, whatever you want to call it, of the AI system from Microsoft. So as with any other large language model, you can ask it questions. The weird thing is, on my iPhone, I can say open Copilot. On Android, where I can normally say open and then the name of an application, to start Copilot, I've got to say launch. So if anybody's listening out there in Android land, if you can tell me why some applications need the word launch versus the word open, I'd be really interested to hear about it. You might be able to clear up a bit of confusion that may arise for some people. People who use iOS may be familiar with Bing. Now there's Copilot. They're both from Microsoft. That's right. So basically Bing's morphed into or changed into Copilot. Because when you think about what an a, a, a original large language model is, it's just a large language model. It doesn't really interact with the internet. So what Microsoft done is they've married both the Bing, the search side of things, with the AI large language model side of things, and both of them give you the result of using Copilot. There's going to be a new key on Windows keyboards. And, of course, people are saying this is the first major uh, thing that, that Microsoft has done with the Windows keyboard for the last three decades. Um, so besides your application key on upcoming Microsoft keyboards and laptops and so on, there'll be a dedicated Copilot key. Now, I'm assuming on keyboards that don't have a dedicated Copilot key like your applications key, there'll definitely be a keyboard workaround. So hopefully at uh, CES this week we'll find out more about that. I believe Ace is releasing a laptop that's got the Copilot key already on the keyboard. So that's going to be really nice. Like the home button originally on your iPhone or your iPad, you can sit now back and uh, press your Copilot button on your Windows keyboard and chit-chat away. Tell us about TomTom teaming up with Microsoft. This is another area where Microsoft is really getting into artificial intelligence. So not only in computer side of things, so laptops and desktops, but also in car infotainment systems. So normally when you use TomTom, which is the navigation system, you can look up and find your nearest petrol station. Well, now because it's going to be using AI and search, you'll be able to say to the AI system in your car, naturally speaking, for example, I'm just leaving Gosford here, I'm traveling to Sydney. Can you tell me what the next petrol station on the left-hand side of the road will be that's got the cheapest petrol available? And it will come back and, and let you know. So rather than just saying all, or putting in petrol stations on your route, 
you'll be able to interrogate the system much better. And of course, you'll also be able to control your car. So you'll be able to say, close open windows, uh, change your air conditioning, all that sort of stuff. So to me, Stephen, this reminds me of the Knight Rider 2000. So Kit, I want TomTom to actually use the guy that did the Kit voice. I want that now in the TomTom system. And it's going to be available in various manufacturer cars uh, this year, hopefully. Gee, it's come a long way from that magical device a few years ago that would give you your gps info hasn't it i know yeah i mean you sort of look back and you think my goodness how did we use that type of device it was so primitive now it's almost sky's the limit so i'm really looking forward to this year and see how it goes because i think it's just going to be absolutely amazing where ai and search takes us in particular tell us about grok g-r-o-k this may have been available overseas in X, or as I still like to call it, Twitter. So this is the Twitter app on your iPhone. I'm pretty sure it's on Android, but I haven't double-checked that. So it's one of the tabs down the bottom, uh, so where you've got Home and Notifications. And the Grok tab allows you to use the AI, large language model, of their system, which is called Grok, G-R-O-K. And this is part of the premium uh, subscription, so you'll need to pay for it so you get all the wonderful things that a premium subscription gives you, i.e. things like being able to delete or redo a tweet properly and so on. So part of that deal is also to use their AI system. I think it ended up being about 31 or $32 a month. So I thought, well, I don't use systems that much at the moment um, and I don't need the premium features of uh, the Grok system and the other stuff. So I thought, yep, you know what? I'll just mention that it's there, and if you want to pay for the premium version of X, go for it. Just before we go, a reminder of where there are details of what you've been talking about in this and previous editions of the program. You can check out my blog site, which is davidwoodbr.podbean.com. davidwoodbr.podbean.com. To write to the program. You can write to me at Vision Australia where I work, which is david.woodbridge, how it sounds, at visionaustralia.org. david.woodbridge at visionaustralia.org. This has been Talking Tech. With me has been Vision Australia's National Advisor on Access Technology, David Woodbridge. I'm Stephen Jolly. Take care. We'll talk more tech next week. See you. Thanks for listening to this Vision Australia radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Visit varadio.org for more. Vision Australia Radio. Blindness. Low vision. Opportunity.